At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Friday, January 21st, just baseball show. We got the gang back together for the first time in a while. It feels like, how long has it been? You think it's been two weeks, two and a half weeks since Jack McMullen, me, Peter Apple, you, and Arm Layton, other you that I'm looking at via Zoom have been on the same podcast? I think it was preceding preceding the Cancun trip, I think. Really? Really? Pre-Christmas. You changed everything when you when you left us for for Cancun. Yeah, you yeah. call me Hollywood, so that that was kind of that. I called you Hollywood before that, so yeah. <laughs> it wasn't Cancun, by the way. It was Cabo. But keep going. Uh oh. Uh. Peter, what's up, man? You guys are just both such idiots. I'm excited for Football Sunday. I'm also excited to do some over unders today. Where, you know, we're we're doing some predictions. This is a prediction pod. Football, baseball doesn't get better than that we got a couple of things that we're going to do um we are going to pick division winners for the nfl that's going to happen at the very end i'm working backwards we're doing team and player over unders so peter picked seven things i picked three things that um it's unique but you're going to understand as soon as we get in right it's going to be over under x number of home runs for the home run leader that type of thing um Aram needs to say his piece on the Padres to wrap up Padres week. Yeah. I've got a bone to pick with the Boris corporation right now. It feels like an age old thing, but with Dylan C signing with the Boris corporation, that kind of pissed me off. Uh, But Aram, there were a couple of trades that we rolled through on the Tuesday episode of the just baseball show. They were salary dumps with Eric Hosmer. First one was Hosmer and Camposano to the Red Sox for Jeter Downs. Second one was Hosmer and Abrams to the Braves for Drew Waters. Floor is yours. I haven't slept since Tuesday. Oh, stop. At least the first one is totally fine. It, it's fine. Camposano, the Camposano one is, is fine. But you left the group chat because you were so emotional about them. The Abrams one is where I left the group chat. Yeah. That's that's. If you're dumping, if I told you this, I said, you're going to attach Anthony Volpe <laughs> to Aaron Hicks for to, to dump his salary. Well, we don't even need to dump Aaron Hicks's salary because Aaron Hicks is making, what, nine, 10, 11 million dollars a year. And he's not a focal point. He's not the first baseman. He's not the six hitter. But I it's about the money. Kind of it's, it's not about the money. the money. 
Yeah. It, it's not about the six hitter. You can make him whatever you want him to be. Uh, my issue is like your trade. You have a horrible system outside of your top three, maybe four, depending on Mackenzie Gore. And then you're going to trade top 10 prospect in baseball just to clear up a little bit of money. When you're getting Will Myers off the books, you're going to get Profar off the books kind of soon. You're going to get Snell off the books unless they want to extend him. They're going to get like several dudes off the books and after next year, Hosmer's contract goes down to 13 million per year, which sucks, but like at least it's cheaper. I just couldn't imagine trading CJ Abrams just just gave me just pain inside yeah, internally. But my, it is it is AJ Prower. So and but, my, my thoughts were because we do know that the Padres have the best shortstop in baseball. We also know that they have Jay Cronenworth at second. You know, they have Trent Grisham in center where C.J. Abrams will play on the Padres is still up for debate. There is no debate that he's a phenomenal prospect. It just seemed out of, they only have like four really good prospects. I, I get I get that, but like Abrams can get you an all-star. <laughs> if you guys are watching, watching on YouTube. YouTube. This picture of A.J. Preller. I've got a photo <laughs> of A.J. Preller here just looking like an absolute bum. His That's an unreal like picture. He's got an, an oversized t-shirt, oversized basketball shorts with sandals that are beat up. I mean, this guy, he looks like he just walked out of um, a, a beachside nightclub at 6 a.m. He's wearing a shirt that says baked on New England beaches. It might have been like a clam chowder thing or something. I don't know. Yeah, it might have been. So my final thoughts on that is if you can use C.J. Abrams to go get like a superstar, you, you could package Abrams with somebody and get like an all-star caliber player. Yeah. Why would you use an asset to just dump salary? Do you that, think that's Waters what, could be an all-star? No. Okay. No, I, I anybody, like with, anybody with Atlanta you think you could get back? Like instead no. of Waters, like would, would Pache and Waters make any difference here's, here's, for you? No. No, because I, I like I, those are two guys that easily like not Pache, pan out. Neither do I. I. <laughs> so I, I legitimately think that when we look back on it, Abrams could be better than like Ozzy Albies. So why are you using him to just dump salary? That was just where I was at. Because I was like, I get the I get the notion. Like I totally understand what you guys are doing, but I was I was like, dude, I, I just can't imagine in today's game that you're packaging prospects like that to to dump salary. I, if anyone's gonna do it, it's Prower. Yeah, but that this team needs that this team needs their prospects, but that's, that's all I had on that. Yeah. I, that's, that's I, I disagreed with the Abrams one, but the Camposano one, I got entirely behind um, because there's some traffic there with catching. And if you're trying to win now, I actually don't think Camposano gives you the best opportunity to win. Now, if Alfaro Austin Nola is healthy, Alfaro <laughs> does. Yeah, for sure. But if Austin Nola is healthy, he gives you the best opportunity. If Austin Nola plays a hundred games and Victor Caratini plays 60 games, I actually think that gives you a better opportunity no. than a full year of Camposano. I agree. I think the Camposano one makes more sense. I just also really don't like Jeter Downs anymore. But yeah, but I, I think that does make sense because it is crowded. It is crowded. They did go get Alfaro, who's a flyer, but like they gave up a decent amount to go get Nola. So, I mean, you got to ride that out and hope he can stay healthy. But can yeah. I just ask why you don't like Jeter Downs so much? I know he had a down year offensively. Yeah, but what happened after the fall league? The fall league, he was great. Yeah, he fell off. He was bad in the fall league. I thought Ultimately, he was great to open. He, he hit a lot of home runs out of the gate and then struck out a ton in the back end. Uh, Just super aggressive, not sticking it short. So he's either playing second or third, had a 600 OPS in AAA and just looked blatantly overmatched. I, I just, it's going to take a big adjustment to, to figure it out. And he's not even a shortstop. So 
I don't want to buy low on a prospect if I'm selling my top 100 catcher. Yeah, I hear you. All right, you guys ready for All me right. to shit on the Boris Corp now? Yes. yes. Okay, so Scott Boris just signed Carlos Correa to the Boris Corp. Uh, so I, I texted in the group chat, Carlos Correa is going to get a 28-year deal worth $4.3 billion probably. <laughs> um, it, here's the thing. In the open market this winter, Boris had Max Scherzer, who signed three years 130 as a 37-year-old. He had Corey Seager, who signed 10 years 325. He had Marcus Semien, who he just added at the end of October to get him seven years 175 with the Rangers. He still has Bryant Castellanos Rodon in the open market, and they are going to get overpaid because they are clients of Scott Boris. Conforto uh, as well, right? Conforto. I do believe Conforto is a Boris client. Uh, I'm yes. almost positive. Yeah, Conforto, Conforto is a Boris client. Yes. Um, so is Jose Iglesias and you say Kikuchi. So that means Kikuchi is going to get 10 years, $300 million. Three-year the, deal for Jose Iglesias incoming. Yeah, incoming. <laughs> um, here's the other thing. So he just signed three guys that I'm very, very interested in. Brandon Nimmo won. He just signed Nimmo last week. Nimmo is going to hit the open market after the 2022 season. He's so good. Brandon Nimmo might get a bag. He will get a bag. He just signed Dylan Cease. Who Who's also after get 2022 hits arbitration. Mm-hmm. So he's going to make mm-hmm. more money there. And Rick Hahn can't do the sneaky, like lock up cease long-term for not a lot of money thing that he did with Tim Anderson and Eloy Jimenez and Luis Robert and Yohan Moncada, like list goes on. That's what Rick Hahn does. So he can't do that with cease. He also just signed arm. I'm curious about this. Just baseball's number five Dodger prospect, Ryan Pepio. So he goes and gets guys that he zeroes in on. Uh, Boris baseball. I love because a 69 year old guy that has zero athletic ability can dominate the sport. And that's what Scott Boris has done since a rod signed his two sixty two, Right. Yeah. Yeah. All right. I have somewhat of a weird take. I almost in, in the time of the lockout in time where players are, you know, undervalued in terms of their salary, you know, they're fighting for more money. Boris is the guy who's, you know, stepping up to the plate for these guys, you know, getting them more money than maybe they even deserve. So I don't, I don't necessarily hate it. I don't have this like anti Boris view at all. Do you arm? No, like there's a weirdness to the way he does things, but like to pretend that he's not the best at what he does, I don't think anyone does, but there's a reason why he's successful, right? A lot of the things that we don't like about, or like that people don't like, or why he's successful. So it's a tough, it's a tough balance there. I don't have anything against him. I've grown to appreciate him more. I think in terms of what he has built, just understanding how incredible it is to just run a monopoly almost on, on being an agent with the biggest names. And, And like you said, Peter, through this lockout, I've really thought about it from that angle too, is it's like, he's really going to bat for the players. I had a random thought before I went to bed the other night. I was like, what if Boris was just the MLB PA representative instead of Tony yes. Clark? Oh like, my God. I think it would either be, it would either be way worse. Like they yeah, never get anywhere be, or we'd be. we'd be in business. I don't know which, but I just thought about that. And I was like, holy crap. That'd be the craziest thing of all time. I think the owners would fold baseball. If Scott Boris was the head <laughs> of the It'd be over. It'd be over. catastrophic or we'd already you know have a deal done i'm i'm interested in like 
you know, the fun thing to do with Scott Boris is just going through and seeing the deals that he has negotiated for his clients. I mean, I'm just working backwards right now. Like he got Jackie Bradley Jr. two years, 24 million with the Brewers before this year. Like that, that's highway robbery right there. Oh, yeah. But then he got Hyunjin Ryu four years, 80 million. He got Dallas Keiko three years, 56 million with the White Sox. Rendon, obviously, seven years, 245. Cole, nine years, 324. He got Strasburg his deal. He got David Price his deal, where he's still making like 30 mil with the Dodgers. I mean, this guy, like four years, 64 for Mike Moustakis at the yeah. end of the 2019 season. Well, like, speak, speaking of, so editorial plug, Jake Graziano made his big return and dropped a nice little article with the worst contracts in baseball right now. So some of those that you mentioned made the cut. So definitely go check that out at justbaseball.com as well. Worst contracts in baseball right now. Uh, A banger from Graziano. Yeah, Scott Boris gets his guys his bag, and uh, he's going to get Dylan Cease his bag. Mm -hmm. When Cease hits the open market, as he is trending as a pitcher, where the strikeout rate is through the roof, the walk rate is through the roof, but I think is going to go down while the strikeout rate remains the same. What kind of contract are we looking at with, with Dylan Cease once he hits the open market? This is not pre-arb, right? We're we're talking like, we're talking like three years from now. Okay. I have a take. Yeah. Go ahead. I think he's going to get a very similar contract to what we saw Robbie Ray and Kevin Gosman get. I think in the five year, a hundred to $110 million deal. I think that's where Cease lines up. Interesting. I think he's got a little bit more juice to him than Ray and Gosman. I think Ray just won a Cy Young. I think Peter, I think Peter's, right on the AAV with like two more years. Cause he's going to be what he'll be 28. He's going to get like a Barrios contract. He's going to yeah. be younger. But I agree with Peter. I think he's right in that ball game. I think he's right in that ball game. And then he gets maybe two more years. Cause wow. those guys were 30. He's going to be what, like 28. Yeah. Maybe going on 29, True. but I totally agree with Peter on the AAV with another year or two. So it'll be close. To, I think it'll be somewhere between Barrios and, uh, and those other guys and, and Gosman and, and Ray, which is that's big money. That yeah, big that's money. big and money. And he deserves I, it too because he's freaking dirty. Yeah, I, I think it's going to look a lot like Barrios, who was seven years, 131, if I'm not mistaken. Like, oh that's God. a great deal. That's a great deal for Dylan Cease. Go get your bag there. So, you know, I could see with the market changing now, we have no idea what it's going to look like in three years. It could be like seven years, 140, like 20 annually. Um, but I think it's going to look a lot like Barrios because I think that's how Dylan Cease is trending. So that's my gripe. Um Cease is not going to be a White Sox for long because he's just going to go to the highest bidder. Brandon Nimmo is going to get a sneaky bag. And then I've got some faith in Ryan Pepio now that he's a Boris guy. <laughs> I mean, I, Boris has signed guys that don't pan out. Like, <laughs> I know. I, but it's but like the I, Rays I, I, trading for people or the Dodgers yeah. deciding for it. You're just, you expect it to work. He's instantly yeah. great. Uh, I mean, I get it. I get it. It makes sense. Uh, but I will say too, also, Dylan Cease's August was outrageous. Outrageous. I don't know if we remember. Like, I just pulled it up. 283 ERA, 35 innings. He struck out 50 and walked only 12. Yeah. If he's if he's closer to that, whew, it's gonna be scary. But he's a very streaky pitcher. Very, very streaky pitcher. Really so I'm streaky. interested to see how he comes out next year. That's a guy that, like, if Peter's making his bets, I'm I I have a feeling that he's nervous. Home Whenever he's splits. betting on Cease, because you don't know what you're gonna get. Yeah, home road splits. Home road for sure. splits. Oh yeah. Was it oh, four yeah. six nine away, three one eight at home? Um, Just absurd. I mean, those are the guys that I love to bet with and against, whether at home versus away. I mean, Tyler Molly comes to it, 
comes to my mind too. Just guys who just who just have this weird thing about pitching home versus the road, but Vegas doesn't account for it. And I'm banging it. I'm banging yeah. it. And speaking of banging it, we have 10 or 11 over unders. I was actually going to make a home road split joke, but it was going to be a month split joke. Uh, Wade Miley in September, more like fade Miley in September. Oh, you know what I'm saying? Oh, oh. <laughs> all right. You guys can do the over-unders now. I'm done. All right. The first over-under since we're talking about contracts and since we're talking about Scott Boris, how about his new client over under $340 million for Carlos Correa arm. I'll, I'll throw it to you first. So much money. <laughs> so much money. This, this is what Jack. Did. Okay, let me be clear. I love Correa. Like, I, I, I wrote, and, and remember, I, I sold Jack on Correa being the number one free agent, like, mid-season. Or, like, yeah. towards maybe the, the, the final quarter of the season after I wrote that piece. I still wouldn't give him it, but somebody's going to. Over. Jack? <laughs> Sorry. I say over. Um, I coughed because that's a ludicrous amount of money. Uh, if Seager got 325, I think Correa yeah. is just an objectively better baseball player. Um, and I See, think he gets 350. That's where I differ from you guys. I'm not totally sold that Carlos Correa is a better baseball player than Corey Seager. I'm not sold on that. And I don't know if front offices are either. I don't know if we're just waiting for the number one shortstop and we might not see Carlos Correa get 10 years, 300 million. And since it's at 340, I'm going under because if it is going to be more than Seager, I don't think it's going to be that much more. I think coming off of a year where he wins a platinum glove, he, you know, has the most durable season of his career. Both guys have durability issues. So I'd say that's kind of a wash. Uh, Obviously Seager has the better bat, uh, but I just look at a shortstop like Correa. He's 27. I think I think he's going to get more. I, I just really do. I think it's fair. Like I know you love Corey Seager, but he just Craig just turned twenty seven, coming off of a career year. I feel like he's just kind of figured it out. And I don't I don't know how how you can put. Doesn't it worry you though that he's coming off a career year right before he hits free agency? That's that's my thing. Not necessarily. Like that's sometimes it just means he's peaking, right? Like his K rate was at an all-time low. His walk rate's at an all-time high. He played the best defense of his career. He played the most games he's ever played. He hit for the most power he's hit for. Uh, I, I don't know like what else, what else you got to see from him. And not to mention uh, Kyle or Corey Seager's defense has been really spotty, like really spotty. I just feel like with shifting and stuff, I don't value infield defense as highly as, as some other people do, but that's, that's, that's my thing. Short, I, I like the better back defense is agree, agree to disagree on that. Yeah, Pete. Shortstop yeah. defense is, is vital. It's absolutely vital. Yeah. Otherwise we'd be sticking any, any guy at short. Tony Kemp. I don't see Corey Seager's defense as a liability, I guess. He's just not elite. Like um, Carlos Correa is right. Was but, last year, but, but you're Carlos talking about Glover. Right. Correa is like platinum glove, like the elite of the elite, like best interfield arm I've ever seen. Yeah, it's full, it's elite. No doubt. It's elite. So but it, was, Correa, it was the best last year. Yeah. I, the Not age thing, whole career. age thing, I call it a wash because Seager's about six months older than Correa. That doesn't matter to me when you're handing out long-term deals. Um, if you're looking at career OPS plus Seager's 131, Correa's 127. So like, very near, but give the hitting edge to Seager. I think the defensive like 
the, the defensive difference between the two is so much farther Correa and the offensive difference is Seager, but by a little bit. So overall, I'm just taking Correa. I think when you look at cumulative numbers, you're correct. But when I watch Corey Seager, like Corey Seager with the bat can take over playoff series by himself. I haven't seen Carlos Correa been able to do that. Like this guy can legit win you playoff series by yourself. He's one of the most clutch playoff performers all time. Already. Not more than Seager. No, Uh, statistically speaking, he he is. Statistically speaking, is he a better playoff hitter than Corey Seager? I think he is. Probably. Let's check it out. Jack, you pull that up. The other thing I'm going to mention is it's worth noting that that Corey Seager got this deal off of a season where he only played 95 games. So so this is off of a season where he played sub 100 games. He got this massive deal, whereas Correa is coming off of a season where he played the most games he's ever played. And I think teams are going to be more optimistic in that. Like this is a guy that didn't quell his injury concern in his contract year. So I think that matters. I think people are going to look at the at the Correa situation and say, okay, like I'm going to I'm feeling better off of the year he came off of, like 95 games, and they gave him that money. That's like, that's nuts. Okay, you ready? What yes. you got, Jack? I've got uh, for Carlos Correa in 79 postseason games, he's got an 8.49 OPS, 18 bombs, 59 RBIs, 79 games. Corey Seager in 61 postseason games has a 777 OPS mm. with 13 bombs and 36 RBIs. So Correa is about 75 points better in the OPS department in the postseason than Seager is. That's interesting. It's interesting. Okay. And he, pl- and he played 50 more games than him last year. Yeah. Okay. I still want Seager, but okay, we'll move on. Stand your like ground. Bat more. I <laughs> yeah, still like Seager's but- bat more. And I'd rather have Corey Seager on my team than Carlos Correa. That's just me. I, th- I think this goes deep into some maybe like some some history, some internal history. <laughs> I don't I don't think that's fair. As as the unbiased journalist on this show, I think yeah. that's I think that's just hurting my character. Yeah, and no, hurting my feelings. I, I, I don't mean to damage you. I that's not that's not what I meant to do. I, well, it's an understandable, it would be an understandable gripe to have. Can I just bring up before we move on that Peter grilled me yesterday for saying that he's the only one that takes a side on things and I'm the unbiased I took a side. I took a side. Yeah. I want I if anybody's you, you unbiased, no, it's me. <laughs> you have no reason to take the side other than I like when I see him, right? Like that's it. I think Corey Seager. He looks pretty. For the next 10 years is the player I'd want at shortstop. For what reason? On my team. For what over- reason though? I still, that like think I still think he's a better bat. I still think he's a better bat. And I value that bat over what I think I'm going to see for the next 10 years from Carlos Correa at the plate. So I'll leave it at this. You value this much better offense over this much better defense? I think that's shorting it to an argument that is just not true. I don't think it's this versus this. Just it, he just gave the, the numbers. Plus. I understand, but I don't think it's just because of the OPS totals. Like Carlos Correa is also like a 300 hitter versus Carlos Correa is not. Like there's just a lot of different things that Corey Seager does at the plate that Carlos Correa does not. I think Corey Seager has better power. I think he's better bat to ball skills. I think his bat is going to translate longer. And I like I like the lefty bat. I, I take Corey Seager. The, the, he doesn't have more power though. I mean, he literally, I think Correa averages more home runs per season. Let's see. I've got it up. I've got it up. Standard hitting. 
and 162 game average, Carlos Correa is at 29 homers, 109 driven in. 162 game average for Corey Seager, 26 homers, 93 driven in. So 26 bombs for Seager, 29 for Correa. What else do we have to, to, to do here? All right. Let's move on. Let's move on. Number two. All right. Which next? Oh, yeah. Let's start with Padres. Over under 10 starts for Mackenzie Gore in 2022. Jack, I'll throw it to you first. Uh, yeah, I'd say over because I'm pro letting him figure it out at the big league level. I brought mm-hmm. that up earlier this week. I think that you should give him 10 to 15 starts. And if it doesn't work, then it doesn't work. Um, and, and that might be the end of the Mackenzie Gore era in San Diego. Really? I think I think you need 12 starts for Mackenzie Gore to make a decision on Mackenzie Gore. I don't think another year in El Paso is going to tell you anything about Mackenzie Gore. It's time. Arm, what about you? I want to give a tip of the cap to Peter on this one because I thought this was a phenomenal hypothetical because excuse me when i don't know what the hell to do like when i can talk myself into either side of it that's Mm -hmm. when you know it's a phenomenal hypothetical so tip of the cap to you on that one peter this is a good one dude it is hard because i i i get where jack's coming from on that one but at the same time i look at gore and i'm like this guy has a lot of internal things i think he needs to sort out right and like that could be figured out on a backfield I, I, you got to do it in the games, obviously, but like a lot of this is mechanical stuff. And the second you bring him up to the big leagues, everybody can see him struggle. Everybody's going to see everything. I mean, we talk about how the Padres keep their data close to their vest. Like they, they keep it close. Gore's struggles were, were kept under wraps for the most part. Now people know, but they don't know the severity. They don't know exactly what the issues are. The second you bring him up to the big leagues and he struggles, it's, every, it's front and center for everybody. Hey, Arm, we mentioned it on the call-up yesterday. Mackenzie Gore didn't make an appearance for two months, and there was no injury designation on him. Correct. He just disappeared for two months. Like, that's what the Padres do. If there was ever a Mackenzie Gore question, it's, yeah, we, we're talking to Mac about that, like that type of thing. It's just so, so under the radar. That's why I'm going to go under. I also, also kind of lean under. It, and it's, it's not just because of Mackenzie Gore. I just don't know if they think that he's fully ready yet. And the Padres have so many good starters in this rotation that I don't think that they're going to try and make Mackenzie Gore work if he's not working quickly and initially, I guess. Is it bad that I'm just anticipating health issues with that starting rotation? No, not at all. Because that's very, that's very possible. It happens every year. But there's seven of them. Yeah, but like three might get hurt. And then who's the fifth? Don't let it be Jake Arrieta again. <laughs> could Didn't be he retire. remember vince velasquez too yeah oh, vince velasquez fade that guy a lot yeah overs overs on that guy uh i'm gonna go under for just just for that reason but i, I think it's gonna be interesting i hope i hope we're wrong on that obviously uh i just think you know it was such a struggle for him he still struggled in terms of his command in the arizona fall league though there was a lot of better things there I think they're going to really, if he's, if he's finally figuring it out, I feel like they're going to really want him to build on that and repeat it and repeat it and repeat it. And he's going to have to make 20 starts in the minors. Uh, so I think it's going to have to be a nine one, one emergency for us to see him at the big league level. I think that's fair. So the next one, 
Um, over under still sitting with the Padres week over under two and a half MVPs in Fernando Tatis Jr.'s career. Arm, you first. Oh, God. Um, like MVPs are so hard to win. We talked about this, like with the Hall of Fame stuff, right? Where I know. It's all about when you have your big years, right? You could have a massive year. And then some other freak show has a bigger year. I always look at the trout, the trout MVP miss, right? Where oh, yeah. it went to Cabrera because he won the triple crown. Yeah, it probably should have went to Trout anyways, but Cabrera won the freaking triple crown. Like we talked about this when we were talking about Vladdy, right? What if Vladdy gets the triple crown? Like, does he somehow dethrone Otani? And we all agreed that it was no, but it was like a conversation. And that's with Otani being a pioneer. So it's a timing thing, but I think that Tatis is just so wildly productive that he's going to do it year in and year out. And I think he's going to catch some seasons where not that many guys are coming off the charts in terms of their, their offensive production. I'm going to take over, but like, damn, man, that's absurd. Three MVPs, three, know, MVPs. But, you're, but you're taking the over. I'm taking the over, taking the over, but like, wow. So Jack, you go, you, you want to hear the nicest thing I've ever seen. Sure. Fernando Tatis jr. Is 69 days younger than Juan Soto. <laughs> nice right nice uh i think as long as juan soto and fernando tatis jr are in the national league they just kind of cancel each other out and like i think Soto's going to win every mvp and tatis might not um i'm gonna go under i think tatis is a two-time mvp in his career i'm gonna go over alex rodriguez had three mvps you think he's kind of uh, you think he's a rod I do think he's A-Rod. And I also think that Juan Soto, well, certainly Ronald Acuna Jr. as well, is going to be Bryce fighting Harper. for MVPs. Bryce Harper, they're going to be <laughs> fighting for MVPs as well. I think the shortstop position bodes well for Tatis moving forward. Um, and I think if he can improve on defense, and if he just puts up 45 bombs and he steals 30 bases and he drives in 120 and he's hitting near 300, there's going to be years where Juan Soto might be a little bit better offensively, but if the Padres are really good, because Soto's team isn't going to be that good. Yeah, they suck. Yeah, so Tatis uh, could just win it I due agree. to that and totally. having similar offensive production, but then if he's good at short, I think he could win three or four, to be honest. You got to remember that Tatis is probably going to move out to left because of Javier Reyes's trade with Eric Hosmer going to Kansas City and Bobby Witt coming back. That's a return. good point. Who says you're no? Also, you know? you're, you're also wrong because in left field is going to be Jorge Alfaro. Jorge Alfaro. <laughs> Sorry. So Tatis, Tatis might catch. Play. Yeah. Tatis might actually play. catch. Utility guy. Utility DH. guy. <laughs> but I agree with Peter in the respect that, like, I think it's going to be a while for the Nats. <laughs> so for the next two, three years, I mean, he's going to – I mean, he was in the Hall, uh, the Hall of Fame, the MVP conversation uh, this year. But what really killed him was the fact that his team sucked, and I think that's going to continue to kill him. And I think it's going to affect his – which I'm going to get to when we talk about Soto. It's going to affect some of his counting stats because of how bad his team is. I think that he's going to – I think that Tatis might get it next year but this is the window he has to get one of them in the next two two three seasons or else it's going to get really tough because then you're going to have either soto on a good nats team you're going to have some other players starting to emerge it's it's going to be interesting but yeah i i like the over i think he wins one next year all right next one over under 40 home runs for shohei otani in 2022 jack you first under Okay, why? I think he hits 39. (laughs) I do think that he's going to be prolific because I think this is more of a conversation of do you think he can repeat it? 
I don't think he can repeat the offense to the degree because we did see a decent amount of swing and miss from him. We did. Yeah. Um, Almost a 30% strikeout rate. That's something that kind of goes untalked about with Shohei. 30%. The, the, like right. And the more plate appearances, the more success you have at the plate, the more focus opposing pitchers put on you. Mm-hmm. Obviously, people were going to focus on Shohei Otani, especially with Mike Trout out. But now, like, it's Trout and Otani. Like, that's the offense that you worry about if you're a pitcher getting ready to face the Anaheim Angels. So I think seeing Shohei Otani get however many plate appearances he just got in 2021, Shohei Otani got 639 plate appearances. That's 639 times that opposing pitchers can gather data on him. I think they're understanding what gets swings and misses from him. Um, I also think if he wants to take a step up in any facet of his game, it's probably on the pitcher's mound this coming year. I could see him actually being a better pitcher and still one of the best hitters in baseball, but not best hitter in baseball like he was. Another, another tip of the cap to Peter on this one. This is, a, this is another tough one because, you know, obviously we know he has the ability to, to hit comfortably 40 home runs. I mean, we saw him do it. I do think have a level of concern with how the league figured him out to a degree in the second half. But I also was really encouraged by his finish in September where there was a tangible difference in his approach. He went from, you know, swinging a ton as he realized he was going to see less and less to hit. He, he toned it down and he walked a ton in September and October. I think it was 23% walk rate in that final month of the season, cut the K rate down too. didn't have quite the production though, because he just, Blatantly wasn't swinging as much. I lean no, but the idea of Rendon and Trout being back in this lineup, Trout serving as protection on either side of him as is Rendon, Rendon, figuring that he's sandwiched between those guys, that really does help. Because remember, this is a team that really had no protection for Otani, but in the second half whatsoever. And Otani, a lot of the damage he did in the first half, Trout was there for some of that. I'm going to lean no, though, because he could hit 35 and have a phenomenal season, and we're not going to be like, what happened to Otani this year? I think that's where he's going to be, more 30 to 35 range with strides on the mound, like Jack said. Real quick, I want to throw one right back to you that isn't on our list right now, but it pertains to Otani. He had a 372 OBP in 2021. Does he outperform that or underperform that? I think he gets on base more and homers less. So it's the WRC Plus might be pretty consistent. Like, I think he's still going to be a, a, the same offensive like value for the most part, but I, I do think we're going to see slightly less home runs because he doesn't have to do it all by himself. He doesn't need to go yard. He can walk so Trout can hit him in, or you know he he can walk and load the bases up because they already intentionally walked Trout before him. Like there's, I, I think that he's going to feel comfortable being more patient and not trying to win the game by himself, little league style, like he had to do when he was on the mound pitching six shutout and then hitting the only run, home run of the game. Like yeah. he doesn't have to be that little league superstar anymore. It's funny, Arm. I like agree with you, but I'm going over because I think that there's a shot that he starts selling out more for power with Anthony Rendon possibly getting on base. I think Shohei Otani might hit fourth in that lineup, maybe with Trout Rendon in front of him, and he's actually starts to sell out for power. Maybe he doesn't care about the batting average as much anymore. Maybe he stops putting more emphasis on his speed so he can stay healthy for the mound, and he's just like, you know what? I'm the power hitter on this team. So that's why I'm almost like, I think he could hit 250 next year, strike out 30% of the time again. The OBP is a little bit higher, and the home runs are actually you know, considerably at the same rate, I would go over 40 quite honestly. Well, I, I like that 
that idea too, because it really is almost dependent on where he is in yeah. the lineup. Because really if Trout's do, on yeah. first, if Trout's on first, you're not going to walk Otani to maybe maybe Rendon's behind him or, or Walsh is behind him, whoever. You're not yeah. putting two men on to face Rendon or Walsh. You're going to try to go after Otani. Like it's, yeah. it's still, I don't care. I don't care who it is unless it's Barry Bonds. You're going to go after them for the most part, unless Otani's on a crazy run. If, if Trout's standing on first, which he's going to be doing more than four out of 10 times probably, if he's batting ahead of him, yeah, Otani's going to see a lot more to hit. So I think it's interesting how the psychology can go both ways. Yeah, but I think really we know can. that it's, it's going to go one way or another. He's not going to stay in the status quo. I think no. he's going to go one way or another, which I think we're all in agreement on. Well, and that's the thing. So like Otani can go on those runs. We saw him go on those seven to 10 game runs. If anybody is going to do the 22 Homer June, like Sammy Sosa did in 98, I think it's Shohei Otani that's currently yeah, playing right Mike now. Trout. Which is crazy. I think Otani is more conducive to like 22 bombs in 30 yeah. games. You no, know, I, I agree. Mean? I'm just saying, would Eddie would be surprised if Trout did it? Fuck no. Man. Yeah. So that's, that's all I'm saying. All right. Next one. Next one is a good one. We're going back to home runs. All right. Over under 50 home runs by a player in 2022. Jack. Um, I'm going to go over. And I agree with you. I think Pete Alonso is the home run king. I think Pete Alonso goes over 50 bombs. Oh, yeah. Arm. Totally agree. Totally. I to- totally I- agree. I think Pete Alonso hits over 50 bombs next year. I think I- – is he a top five first baseman? Uh, yeah, because Ryan Finkelstein wrote Let me wrote give you five, really- though. Let me give you five. Okay, go. Um, Vladdy. Are Vladdy. we counting Vladdy as a first baseman? Yeah. Yes. Vladdy. Freddie, Matty O, Matt Olson, Paul Goldschmidt, Max Muncie. Then you're like, shit, wait, he can't fit. But then you also have Jose Abreu. I think he could dethrone Paul Goldschmidt with it with a big year next Goldschmidt's year. Goldschmidt's so good, though, bro. I agree. I agree, so but he's good. And he's so good defensively. But if he hits 50 home runs next year, and the, the thing that I really like about, about Alonzo is something that Ryan Finkelstein wrote. Uh, for just baseball.com was about uh, his defense and how he's gone from a liability to actually an above average defender, which is really interesting. Obviously not Goldschmidt caliber, uh, but he's not a liability over there. Like a Vladdy, obviously Vladdy's incredible offensively, but what I really like about Alonzo is that he gave us that massive home run rookie season. He had a iffy 2020. Then last year he came out and he looked like a more complete hitter. Like, Lower K rate, like really low K rate compared to before, higher walk rate, higher contact rate. And I feel like he's going to marry those two now. He found a way to, to make more consistent contact. And now I think he's going to have more confidence cutting loose and finding a balance of like more contact, more power. Not to mention the lineup is freaking loaded, absolutely loaded. I, I think he's going to finish this year as a top five first baseman because I think Goldschmidt, you know, he's not getting any younger. I love Gold. He's one of my favorite players of like of our of our like lifetime, kind of. I'm putting I'm putting him in ahead of him by the end of this year. Uh, so I think, I think he's going to hit 50, not to mention also we had two dudes finish with 48 last year. Otani had 46, Semyon had 45. Tatis would have waltzed to 50 if he played the whole season. Yeah. Uh, so I, I think no doubt we're getting multiple fifties. I'm going to say. The more I think about it, I think Tatis going to 50 bombs and win the MVP. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's the more I think possibility that happen. I think that's going to happen. All right. Next one. Same thing, but different stat over under 50 stolen bases by a player in 2022. 
this hasn't happened in a while and stolen bases continue to decrease in terms of the rate of guys trying to steal bases. So Aram over under 50 stolen bases for a player in 2022. So we would have had one guy have 50 stolen bases last year and it would have been Starling Marte had he not missed 42 games uh, during the season with, I believe it was an oblique injury. That was crazy to even see Marte doing that. I, I don't think he's going to run that much next year. And given that Trey Turner even toned it down a little bit last season, yeah. only swiping 32, that's my, that's the only guy I'm, th- I'm looking at to steal that many yeah. bases. You know, that Tatis is probably capable of it if you really wanted to, but he's Michael not going 50, to 50, 50, <laughs> the, the old 50, 50. Season. How about Acuna? Yeah. So my answer is my answer is no. Yeah. Because all of the guys that could do it, either Marte's aging, Acuna's off an ACL, Tatis has injury concern. You know, he's going to be careful. Trey Turner's shown to scale it back a little bit. Uh, all of the candidates are, 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 you know, like Peter said, it's, it's trending backwards and all of the biggest candidates are, are kind of doing the same. Jack, what about you? Under, uh, I think the, the trends that we're seeing, right. People don't want to run as much. Catchers are getting better. Pitchers are play, placing more of an emphasis on being quick to the plate. Um, so I say under, but then I pose this question to you guys, who is the next person to steal 50 bags in a season? See, I was thinking about going over just because I think there's a chance that Whit Merrifield steals 50 bases next year, but I just, I am not confident enough in that to actually go over. Um, if I'm just looking at some other players that arm didn't name, I, I could, you could put Whit Merrifield in there. But I agree. I just don't think anyone's getting 50 stolen bases. So I, I can't give you a name. I I'd, I'd just go under. I'm saying down the road, like three years, four years, however long it may be. CJ Abrams. Abrams. That's the Abrams. answer. Let, yeah. We're tying up Padres week with CJ Abrams. Yeah. Being the yeah. next guy to steal 50 bags. I think he might be the next guy to steal 60. That's a lot of bags. He's I think he could. Really think, fast. The crazy thing about Merrifield, though, is he swiped 40. He had 720 plate appearances, which is hilarious. I know. But it was a down year for him. Yeah, he only got on base at a 317 clip. You imagine he gets on base. I, I can't do the, 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 you know, the, the math that great. But if he gets on at a 350 clip, you know, he's probably swiping 10 more bags. And he's right there at 50. So, I mean, that's probably the guy that I think has the best chance next year, too. I agree. But long term, yeah, Abrams is, is the dude that's going to do it. I don't know what the deal is with Buxton if they're going to let him run free. Bro, yeah, he Buxton's healthy. He's doing it. He's doing it. Yeah. But I don't know if they'll let him run. All right. Next, next question. Over under four and a half pitchers to go over 200 innings in 2022. So we only had four pitchers do it this year. Do we think we get one more next year who could do it, Jack? What do you think? So my gut reaction was under because I think that era of baseball is gone, but I'm saying over because I think last year was um, an outlier because of the 60 game season in 2020. I think there were a lot more soft tissue things going on. I think with another full season under pitchers belts, um, they're going to be healthier. And I think Walker Bueller is going to get there. I think Wheeler is going to get there again. I think Sandy's going to get there again. If Wainwright doesn't get shelled, which I don't think he will, I think he's going to get there again. That's already four. And I think somebody else is going to get there, whether that be Garrett Cole or Corbett whether that Burns. be right. I hope Burns. Rom 
Like, remember, Jacob DeGrom got hurt. Corbin Burns, I, I agree. Arm, I don't think we have anything else to add. I think I totally agree. I would go over. Marlins will have two by themselves. Yeah, Sandy and who? Second. Trevor Rogers. I think Trevor's getting 200 this Trevor year. Missed, Trevor missed six weeks last year with, with a family issue. He pitched 133 innings. He missed about seven starts. He would have been just shy. But what I love is he said, I want to match Sandy for innings. And if Trevor Rogers says he's going to do something, I believe it. Um, and Sandy was pissed that he didn't pitch more innings. So they might both just go 300. Um, <laughs> but no, but I think Sandy's a shoe in uh, for 200. I hope Roger, I think Rogers' issue is he doesn't go deep enough into starts. So jokes aside, he might finish just short, but Sandy's a shoe in, Bueller's a shoe in. Yeah, I, I agree. And then Cole is just a machine. Uh, I think Urias is going to throw. I think he's as close to a shoe in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Urias, Urias, as long as he's healthy, is as close to a shoe in as as possible. How about Logan Webb with how many ground balls he gets? Yeah, that's the thing is it's the guys that get ground balls. That's why Sandy's so great. It's like they keep the pitch count down and double plays, double play. Yeah, hot take. You know, it's seven innings. John Gray throws over 200 innings for the Texas Rangers. I'm not even kidding. I, I don't even Probably. think it's that crazy. I don't yeah. even think that's that crazy. I, 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 I agree. I think they're going to run him into the ground. <laughs> like, I think they're going they're to ruin his life. <laughs> He's going to throw 290 innings. They could care less about the area, which is like, we need pitchers. We need pitchers, John, John Gray. All right, next one. Over, under, two and a half teams with 100-plus wins. Aram, I'll throw it to you. So we know the Rays, the Dodgers – and the Giants last year won over 100 games, and you're wearing your fun differential shirt for those Seattle Mariners if you're watching on YouTube. So, Arm, over under two and a half teams win 100 games in 2022. Seattle's winning 110. <laughs> Got to call up. Okay, well, the one thing that I will say is, is obviously Seattle's not going to win 100, but, like, the problem is, is teams like Seattle – that are going to make it hard for other teams to win a hundred. Yeah. Like I think we're seeing much more parity in baseball, which is great. You know, we want to see that. I, we want to see less of the, the tanking teams. And I think a lot of those tanking teams for the most part have gotten better. And like going, remember when we went into last year, Peter, you were, you were in Florida. I remember we, we were just talking about it and we we're looking at the pirates and we're like, is this the worst team ever? <laughs> and, and you know, they actually were what, like pre preseason. We were looking at it. Like, this is the worst team ever. They had Reynolds end up, you know, going off. Yeah. And they had some prospects come up and help. And, but still, they were bad. Like, there's, there's going to be some bad teams next year, but I don't know if there's as many that are like, this team is atrocious. Agreed. And I think that's going to make it harder to win 100 games, but I'm still going to take that over because I think the Giants are going to take a step back. So the Dodgers, I, I would sign them up for 100. I, and I would sign up. That thing that concerns me is the AL East. They're all too good. They're all too good. I don't think they were all really good last year too. And the Rays still did it. Like, it's not like the ALEs took such a big jump this off season. Let me say no, something I, about the ALEs. The Yankees suck right now. <laughs> Let me say real quick that I think Baltimore is going to win more games this year. Yeah. than I like, I might take the, like Wait, we why? talk about always why? taking what makes the you under. Think that? What makes you think that? What did they do? Adley and now the ALEs, not? if we're thinking it's better. I mean, Adley. I don't know if it is, but. Adley, G-Rod, we know what Mountcastle can do. We know what... Are Adley and G-Rod going to make major contributions in 2022? Better than whatever the fuck they had running out there. Yeah, dude, dude you saw that pitching staff. Yeah, I mean, no, I, I just... How much are they going to play in 2022? We think they will. I think Adley will play a lot. I don't know about G-Rod as much. Uh, I'm Now I'm thinking about it. I'm going to take the under. I'm also taking the under. 
taking the under. I only think it's I think it's going to be the Rays and the Dodgers, and that's it. I don't I don't think an AL. And I don't even know about it. the Rays. I think the Dodgers do it. And man, like even the White Sox is a, is, a, is a team that could do it. Like I think Cleveland's going to be better. We know the Tigers are better. The Royals are better. The Twins won't be worse. Uh, <laughs> Astros that they, they won't because the Mariners are better and the Angels will be better and the Rangers are better. Like this is what I'm saying. Like all of these teams are improving. Agreed. The one that could do it, I think, is the Braves because if assume the Braves bring back Freddie Freeman, Braves slash Mets, whichever team really goes above and beyond. The Phillies aren't that good. The Marlins are the Marlins. The Nationals suck. So that's a division, I think, where you can beat up on some of the other teams. And if you split with each other, I could see one of those two teams doing it. But even that's a stretch. Ah, yeah, under, under. Under. I don't even, I don't even think, I don't, I don't see the Braves or the Mets. The Mets are going to win 20 more games than they did last year. Like the Braves are going to win 12 more. I mean, sure. I don't know, but then again, we winner. saw what the Giants did. The Giants won like 30 more, so it can you're, happen. You're replacing Tyler McGill with, <laughs> with Max, Max Scherzer. Scherzer. With Max Scherzer. You know what I'm saying? Like, they're not I agree. that big 20, of a difference. 20 is the biggest jump ever, but the Mets also have done things that we've never seen a team do from, or rarely see a team do like from year to year, where yeah. like they add Starling Marte in a spot where we saw Kevin Pillar last year, right? Kevin like, Pillar had some big moments though. <laughs> yeah, he did. He got hit in the face and then played like a day later. He was a stud. Sorry. Uh, Lindor can't be worse. Yeah. Uh, yeah I, I think it's going to be, I think, I think it's going to be interesting, but yeah, I'm taking under. I think, so we all say under. I'm saying under. Jack, you saying under? Yeah. yeah. Jack tried to talk himself into the White Sox and couldn't do it. No, I tried talking myself into one team from the AL East and I couldn't do it. No, they're going to beat up. It's going to be a blood. I'm going to, we're we should almost just add an AL East podcast because like that's going to be Rays, a bloodbath. Thing is the Rays just own every single team in this division. Yeah. But like in the regular season, it's like, it doesn't even matter who's on the other team. Cause they just have, they have their plans for you and then it's over. And then you dude, lose two out of three without even knowing what happened. You're forgetting that the Red Sox just signed Michael Waka and James Paxton. <sighs> I did forget. <laughs> See, that's, that's where they make that extra jump. Okay. Yeah. All right. Now I'm on your side again. Yeah. All right. <laughs> next one. Over under, this is a good one by Jack. Over under a 440 on base percentage for Juan Soto. Ooh. Jack, you came up with this one. What do you think? Yeah, I came up with it because he was at 490 in 2020 and he was at 465 in 2021. And I thought, there's no fucking way that he does that again. And then I was thinking about it and I kept on shifting the number. I had it again at 460. And I was like, mm, it might be a little high. And then I was like, okay, let's move it down to 410. And I was like, no, he's going to be so much better than 410. Yeah. 440, I think, is the right placement for this thing, um, which is crazy. And somebody just said it. I'm totally blanking on who said it. Um, I'll, I'll find it. Somebody just said yesterday, a player said that Juan Soto is the most disciplined hitter they have ever seen. And he's 22 years old. <laughs> so not only is he maybe the best hitter on planet earth right now but he's also the most disciplined hitter on planet earth yeah i'm going over mm -hmm. for this reason well not this reason this reason only but this is the biggest reason who's going to hit behind Juan soto exactly nobody nobody why in your right mind 
would you ever throw to Juan Soto if you're facing this national lineup? We just talked with Tucker Davidson, and he was saying when he goes in and faces these NL East lineups, he mentioned, I'm not going to let Bryce Harper beat me on the Phillies, and I'm certainly not going to let Juan Soto beat me on the Nationals. And I'm sure that's a sentiment that all of them share. So walk the shit out of him. <laughs> like, yes, yes. just walk him. Marcus Stroman. It was, it was Stroman that said Juan Soto has the best zone judgment and plate discipline out of any hitter ever to play this game. And I truly believe that love competing wow. against him. He's a legend already. He's 22 years old. There's a YouTube video. I wish that's I could like see that four time. minutes long. You guys got to check it out. I don't know who, which channel, but it's just Juan Soto. O2 counts taking a walk. It's like four minutes long. It's great. It's, it's unbelievable. And you know, again, I was going to make the same point that Peter made. Uh, it's just, why would you pitch to him? I think he's going to hit like 28 homers because he's legit not going to see anything to hit. And he's going to get on base, I think, at like a 490 clip. I think what we saw in the second half is a little clue into what we're going to see this year because the second half was a lineup that lost a lot of the, the juice it had, especially Kyle Schwarber, who was – most of the protection as well as Trey Turner getting on base for Soto so that they didn't just walk him. You're not going to walk similar to what I was saying with trout. You're not going to walk Soto to put Trey Turner on second base who could score on like a bunt. You know? Yeah. So it's like, that, that's just not going to happen. So all of the protection went away and nobody pitched to him. And I think that's what we're going to see next year to a ridiculous degree. I think Soto's going to get really annoyed and frustrated to be honest. Uh, I, I think, I think he, wouldn't it be nice if he just said, I want out, I want out. I and we over, see the biggest trade package ever over under half a broken bat over his leg when he's just so freaking pissed. If he strikes out one time during the season, he walks three times in case once on a border and he's just, pitch. Whack. I say under, I'll go I think under. I think he'll take the over on that. Yeah. I think he's, he's going to get so pissed. So we're all on the over train. Yeah. Over. All right. Over under. Two and a half playoff teams from the NL West. Aram, I think the Dodgers are going to make it. I'm not counting out the Giants. But then it's Padres versus Mets for that second wild card spot. And quite honestly, uh, these are two of the teams. How can you guess? How, what, what do you do? What do you think? I'm I'm gonna say under, because under huh? I I think one they're gonna beat up on each other. This this Padres team allowed the Giants and the Dodgers to thrive last year because of how bad they were. Assuming the Padres are better, that's gonna come at the expense a little bit of the Dodgers and the Giants. Uh, I look at the Central. I like the moves that the Brewers have made quietly. They have made some good moves. The Cubs are rebuilding still, no matter what they want to pretend they're doing. That's not a good team. The Pirates aren't good. The Reds got worse. The Brewers are going to beat up. The Cardinals are going to beat up on other teams too. I think the Cardinals are going to be a very, very high-end wildcard team. And then we talked about the Mets and the Braves. I think there's just too many irons in the fire and the odds are stacked against three teams in the, in the NL West. This is a hard question because we have no idea what the postseason is going to look like, right? There's a chance oh, that well, there's well, we're one assuming more under team. a traditional, under yes, a traditional, assuming structure. traditional, uh, assuming traditional. I will say under because again, like Aram said, I do like the NL Central this year. I think that the Cardinals are really good. 
And I like the moves that Milwaukee made. So you've got, I think San Francisco and the Dodgers are going to make it. Um, I think the Padres are going to be fighting with the Brewers of the Cardinals in the central and the Phillies in the East for that second wildcard spot. Like I could see, I could see two, two and one from each division. The Phillies would mean that one of the Braves and the Mets are not in the fold. Right. Who is not in the fold? I think the Braves are going to win the division again. So you think the Mets are, are not even going to be in wild card contention? No, I think they're going to be in wild card contention. Misspoke okay. there. So like you've got the Mets, you've got the Phillies, you've got the Brewers. Okay, you, in the East, legitimate playoff teams: Atlanta, Philly, the Mets. Marlins. In the Central, <laughs> shut up. In the Central, <laughs> St. Louis, Milwaukee. In the West, LA, San Francisco, San Diego. Just playing the numbers game, I think we go under two and a half. It's too many irons in the fire, like I said. Yeah. I, probability wise. Hmm. Peter's like, do I just fire out the, the scolding hot take right well, now? Well, Tatis is going to hit 50 and be the MVP. Well, Tatis is yes. 50. Okay. 50 50. Yeah. <laughs> so, and I've said this on earlier podcasts. I'm like, I don't want to give the Padres credit for something that they haven't earned. But then when I look across the other teams, what have the Mets earned? You know, if the Cardinals don't go on that historic 17-game win streak, and a lot of things ended up working out for them, Adam Wainwright, will he do that again? Are they a playoff team? The Braves, if they don't re-sign, if they don't re-sign Freddie, there's a problem there. <sighs> this one is the toughest one, in my opinion. I Just to be different, I will go over, but it's not a confident over to for everything you guys said so but i do think that this could be the padres year and i'm certainly not betting against the giants it could be the giants don't make the playoffs yeah the padres do and then maybe one of the mets braves or let's, cardinals brewers let's not I'm sleep certainly on not fa- counting out those teams either i also don't think philly is I think there's a world where the Giants take a massive step back. Like, yes, there's we're, a world. we're applauding the, the Giants for what they've done and what they've built. Like, they've done a great job. But no matter how forward-thinking and incredible you are of a front office, it's pretty darn hard to replace a Hall of Fame catcher, uh, to replace a $100 million pitcher, and to offset natural aging of Evan Longoria, Brandon Crawford, and Brandon Belt and other pieces. Like, the it's just tough. And Donovan Solano, I think if he, if he walks, like that's an underrated piece for you too. Skremsky took a step back. Like there's a world here where the, where this team takes a massive step back. And even if they're forward thinking and, and a really good franchise, I, I think that's very possible. Next one. Last one over under one and a half playoff teams from the AL West. Now will the Oakland A's sell? What will the Angels do this year? Fun differential are the Mariners for real. And the Astros lost Carlos Correa, most likely. But they're getting back Justin Verlander. I lean over because I think the Astros are going to make it. And I think the Angels are going to make it. And if the Angels don't make it, I think the Mariners have a really good shot. I don't think Oakland and I don't think Texas – but I think with how good those three teams are, 
Oh, but the AL East, dude. Like, that's where it gets. Yeah. <sighs> Think about it. The AL West and the AL East are going to beat the living shit out of each other all year long. And I think the Central, whoever is going to, I think someone could make the playoffs out of the Central with like 88 wins. You I, mean know, the, I know Jack, you mean the, oh, the White Sox are winning 90. I, I could see someone winning the Central with 88 wins. I could see Cleveland I think being. Get, I could see Cleveland being really fucking good this year. Because I think I think really it's gonna be fucking a, good, dude. Yeah, and I'm not really fucking. Not re- like, what do you mean? Like, I think that staff puts together like a top three ERA in baseball, and I think the offense is a lot better than it was last year when they got no hit every other game. It's definitely better. It's definitely better. Uh, I, I just think the West and the East are going to obliterate the central for the most part. And I think the central's going to beat up on each other. Again, there's like, there's no pushover in that division. Really. There's no absolute garbage team in that division. The tigers are obviously better. As I said earlier, and the twins are obviously, I, th- I think better still than they, they were. can't be worse. They, they can't, can't be, be worse. worse. They can't I think be, they'll worse. be better too. So I, I, the reason why I like two teams out of the AL West is this the angels are always that team that we're like hoping will put it together. Finally, yeah. if they don't, I still think the Astros are, are winning that division. I really do. I think that even if you lose Carlos Correa, which is a big blow, their offense is going to still be one of the best in baseball because you're having Kyle Tucker, who looked like an MVP the second half of the season, who's going to be that guy, I think, for the rest of his career. You have Jordan Alvarez, who's going to keep taking those steps up. You have, I think, Bregman, who started to show more signs of life, and I think will be closer to where he you want him to be. And then also, I really, really like Jeremy Pena at shortstop. I actually think this guy is going to be a piece for them in the second half. And not to mention, Baseball Prospectus just put out their uh, top 100 list or top 101. Jeremy Pena at 16. At 16. That's high. That's high. Crazy. Right after Noel V. Marte, right? Crazy. Yeah. I think that's too high. But I, I, I love the glove. The, the bat, I think you only need that guy to hit ninth for you. And great glove, sneaky power, good athlete. Regardless, I think that they're going to compete. And then the Mariners are another one that I think could sneakily do it. Fun differential. But the reason why I like the Mariners is they're getting so much better from a veteran standpoint. And then they're a team that Jack and I talked about late in that prospect episode. They're one of the teams that has one of the few prospects that's actually going to come in and help you like you added a free agent. Adding Julio Rodriguez is like adding a stud free agent, like, like Wander Franco was to, to the Rays. Their numbers are pretty similar through their minor league careers, almost identical, minus the K rates, but it's not like Julio struck out a ton. Yeah. And then the pitching side of things, the Mariners got, got a vet, and then they have a bajillion young guys that like if another guy doesn't work, just try another young dude. Like it, you have Robbie Ray, who you added. You have Marco Gonzalez, who's a solid depth piece. Chris Flexen was good. Gilbert showed really well at the end of the year. Justin Dunn, when healthy, is great. And then if you want to go with any of your young guys, if each of them doesn't pan out, if if Dunn doesn't work, you have Matt Brash. If Matt Brash doesn't work, you have Brandon Williamson. If Brandon Williamson doesn't work, you have George Kirby. George Kirby doesn't work, Emerson Hancock might be ready by then. Like, you have infinite amount of guys. Isn't Isaiah Campbell still in that system too? Arkansas, big kid from Arkansas, really good. I love my college arms. Bullpen guy, uh, but could be a good bullpen guy. Like, this is a... And then Jared Kalanick is going to take that step next That's year. That's what I was going to say. Phenomenal in the final month of the season. Uh, Mitch Hanniger missed time last year. Like, th- this team is sneaky, man. This team is sneaky. And uh, Adam Frazier, come on now. <laughs> Who's not making it from the AL East? 
Baltimore. Fair. <laughs> no, are you sure? Yeah, pretty positive. You want? You, you ready for this one? Boston. Yeah. Mm. I, I hope you enjoyed that magical. <laughs> I'm just as I'm saying that I have all the thoughts coming in my head of like all of the people that were like, "You were hating on the socks. You're hating on the socks." And guess what I'm doing? We're already talking about 2022. We're going back. Socks <laughs> aren't making it, bro. I, Yes, I was wrong. They shoved it up my you know what last year. That's fine. They did but, it. They showed me. You know, you I can don't curse think on it's this sustainable. Podcast. You can say ass if you want. Yeah, but yeah, it sounds weird. <laughs> All right. They're not going to do it next year. They've done nothing to it. James Paxton isn't addressing it. It's not addressing it. And offensively, like, yes, they're great. But like, did they improve? Not really. They got JBJ. That's great. Really exciting. They got rid of Renfro. And I don't think this team got it. it. Everybody yeah, else in the AL East got better. Everyone else. But yeah, two teams have to not make it. Right? I'm not confident about these Yankees. Yeah. I mean, Let me push back go, here, though. Yeah. You, yeah. You, say, you say Paxton doesn't help. Waka, he's the difference. If Paxton's not the difference, then Michael Waka's the difference. I will land on that. Oh, the, the, All right. You're not being facetious? Are you being facetious? Yeah, I'm being facetious. Okay, good. Sunday, Saturday, weekend football. Bengals are taking on the Titans. Titans are currently three or three and a half point favorites. Rapid fire. Jack, who are you taking? Bengals versus Titans. Yeah, this is Chad Johnson versus uh, who's a a famous Titan from our youth? Uh, Chris Johnson. Chris Johnson. Johnson. Yeah, this is Chad Johnson versus Chris Johnson. Chad Ochoacinco. Versus uh, C2K. Um, I'm going to go with Cincinnati because Burrow is a stud, and I think he might have one of the biggest you-know-whats in the league. Johnson's. Um, yeah. Yeah. He's a huge <laughs> Chris Johnson. Thanks for bringing that full circle. <laughs> um, I'm going Bengals. Uh, I, I know, and Peter likes the Titans, and it, and it honestly makes me nervous because – well, how'd you do last week, Pete? You've been doing pretty well, right? Six and one in my last seven picks. Ooh. Okay. I love how he like didn't even like just like try to make it. As, it's it was like he hit a bomb of a home run. Just act like you've been there before. Yeah. I did have a nice TikTok live after I went Rams. I went the under and I went the OBJ prop, and I was just dancing to push and pee on live, <laughs> just in my leather jacket, just chilling. It was oh an unbelievable God. live. I missed that one. It was a sick live. It was on um, just great iron fans. I or no, go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, I just I, I, I like the Bengals, Bengals went outright or just cover. What's the spread on that one again? Titans are minus three and a half. Oh, I I love Bengals to, to cover. Okay. I'm scared. I could see I could see the Titans just pulling off some BS and uh and, and winning on a field goal, but I, I'm gonna go Bengals to win the game. I just think they've got some magic this year. I, I like that they've got all their guys. I, I think Burrow's got something going. I'm, I grew up a Dolphins fan. I grew up watching Ryan Tannehill. And yeah. when you need Ryan Tannehill to do something for you, you're going to do it. You're yeah. going to lose. Uh, they need him to do things. And that's why I just don't, I don't believe, but I'm sure Peter has like, Peter doesn't just throw out his picks. So like, there's a reason why he likes the Titans. So I'm looking forward to hearing it. Titans by a touchdown or more. Wow. Um, I think that this is actually kind of a lopsided matchup for Cincinnati. I don't think Cincinnati can rush the quarterback. They have some couple guys on the defensive line out. They have some couple guys who are banged up on the offensive line. Tennessee is healthy. Tennessee is at home. You have fresh legs, Derrick Henry. You also have fresher than most A.J. Brown. 
Titans are one of the healthiest defensive teams. I also lean head coach Mike Vrabel over Zach Taylor. I got the home team. I got the better coach. I have the better defense, in my opinion. And I have an offense that I think will keep Joe Burrow off the field. Give me the Titans by seven or more. Wow. Interesting. Okay. So, you know, the tough part about this one, because I think all of that analysis is extremely sound, is I guess, like, what does Derrick Henry look like? Is it fresh legs? Is it fresh legs or is it like lack of exposure? He was healthy. There there was a report that he could, that he would have played if they played last week. So that means he had a full another week to prepare. And Mike Frabel off a bye is 4-0 in his career. And he's 8-0 in his career when he has more time to prepare than the other team he's facing as well. Mike Frabel is one of the most underrated coaches in this league, people. Former... Belichick disciple. He was a a Super Bowl champion with the Patriots multiple times. Yeah, you know what's fucked up? He played with Tom Brady. Yes, he did. did. (laughs) did. Because that was when Peter and I were watching uh, Man in the Arena when he was in Florida. We were watching it outside on the TV, and like we were just going through the old rosters. And I looked at Peter. I was like, "Dude, Mike Vrabel played with Brady." (laughs) We're just like, "What the hell?" It's crazy, and that's what Man in the Arena. It just makes me think. Not only is Tom Brady the goat of football, but he's the goat of goats. The greatest. I mean, maybe not athlete. Maybe you could give that to like Bo Jackson, but I'm, we know what I'm talking about. Yeah, no, I know what you're saying. Professional in sports history. Might be the most dominant professional ever. I agree. I mean, you have the Gretzky, like individual stats that are, I think will never be topped, but like Gretzky wasn't, you can't do it in hockey, but he wasn't winning every year, you know? So it's like, I agree. I think it's pretty nuts, Uh, but it does make me nervous that Henry's healthy. Like if they can steadily feed him, then that that does change things, but I'm going to stick to my guns and, and uh, say that he's a little shaky and the Bengals pull it out. But I, I would not be shocked at all if Peter's right on this one. 49ers-Packers is also the Saturday night football game at 8-15. The Green Bay Packers are currently five-and-a-half-point <laughs> favorites. This game I don't really have pegged. I think it really could go either way. I'm worried Jimmy G is currently you know dealing with some injuries. Shoulder um, income. 49ers got a little bit banged up. Remember, now you got to go into Lambeau and beat the Packers. But the 49ers are, are a team that nobody wants to run into right now. But Jimmy G, too, he's also dealing with that thing where he's he's not really good at being a quarterback. That other <laughs> Shut thing. up. There's the other thing where he's just – but they rely on run scheme so much. But the thing is, the Packers know that they're going to run the football. Yeah. They know that they're going to run the football. And if I'm, if I'm looking at the game time weather report, what is it supposed to be in Lambeau? I don't know, but you got BJ Raji. 12 as the, degrees uh, as the run stuffer, right? 12 degrees <laughs> for a team from California. Mm. Yeah. I Donald think Driver. Yeah, Donald Driver against uh, Vernon Davis. Ahmad Green. Yeah. Ahmad Green. Uh, I, I really like I really like the Packers this year. I mean, they're actually my Super Bowl pick. So I'm I'm gonna roll with this one. You talk about the Titans getting guys back. The Packers defense, you know, it's really important that they have all their guys. They get Zadarius Smith and Jair Alexander back, one of the best corners and a big-time linebacker. Both questionable. I think they'll both be good to go. If those guys are good to go, that changes a lot on the defense. Uh, I also just think this is a magical year. There's something, aside from all the controversy, there's something magical going on with Aaron Rodgers this year. And this is one of those just, like, gut things. I could be wrong. I don't have any like in-depth analysis on it other than I just, I've watched a weird amount of Packers games and I just feel this magic under Aaron Rodgers this year. And I think he's going to make it happen. Uh, I just, I just love what we're seeing so far from the Packers. 
Jack, what do, we, what do you think? So th- there's a matchup here that I'm really zeroing in on, and it's two guys that I just don't align with whatsoever socially and politically, but I really love watching them play football. Um, one of them is going to hit the other a decent amount of times, and that's Nick Bosa and Aaron Rodgers. Um, I think Nick Bosa is going to hit the shit out of Aaron Rodgers, and I love this magic with San Francisco. I think Debo Samuel is awesome. Um, I also think that that offensive coordinator for the Niners, who looks like me, uh, is also awesome. I mean, let the nerds take over. He buries his head in an Excel sheet for sure. He doesn't watch the games. He just watches on the Excel sheets. I, give me Sam Fran. I, I, I hope Bosa think, can play. I hope yeah, Bosa that's can the play. thing. Nick Bosa's questionable practice in limited capacity on He'll Wednesday play. due to a concussion. He'll he play. was dominating that game before he got hurt too. He was dominating that that defense, that offensive line of the Cowboys. He Bosa's a, a beast. Yeah. So it's funny, Packers 49ers. The 49ers have something on Aaron Rodgers. Because remember, Aaron Rodgers went later in the draft to the Packers because the 49ers selected Alex Smith. He's always had like this vendetta against the 49ers. And overall, he has 25 touchdowns and five interceptions in his career against the 49ers with a pass rating of 104.7. And he's thrown for over 300 yards in the last three games with the last one or the third one being 425 yards. Aaron Rodgers is going to have a game here. I do think the Packers win. I don't know about the spread, though. That's something that I'm going to have to go back. I want to see these injuries. I want to see whether Bose is playing. I want to see Jared Alexander. I want to see Zadarius Smith. I want to see if those defenders are playing because, and that's kind of where I'll make the pick, but, and that's where you'll find at just gridiron fans or on my Twitter at Peter Apple 23. But I, right now I'm leading Packers win 49ers cover, but that could change. Is that fair? Yeah. Next game. The goat takes on the greatest team in the NFL. Currently the Rams played the Buccaneers on Sunday at 3 PM and Tampa is currently three point favorites against the Rams at home. You have the greatest of all time taking on a Rams team that played perfectly against the Arizona Cardinals in a 34 to 11 win. Aram, Bucks or Rams? Uh, you, you mentioned it, Pete. I mean, I, I was a little bit of a doubter going into the year. I know we talked about it on the phone uh, when you gave out that pick. I, I loved the Rams pick last week uh, just as a matchup, but I was a little bit nervous about how they would look and, and what it would mean for the next week. I loved what we saw. I mean, they played perfectly and perfectly. You know what? I think the lack of weapons is, is going to catch up to Brady in yep. the right situation. And this is that situation, right? I mean, you have Ramsey who can shut down or at least try to defend a big Mike Evans. They can scheme for that. But then who else do you have? Who else is beating you uh, on that offensive side from Tampa? I think that this is where we're going to see Brady really struggle without his weapons. I think the Rams and McVay are going to be able to kind of scheme that up really well. I think that the Rams take down the Bucks, and Brady's going to get his built-in excuse here of, oh, he didn't have his weapons. He didn't have his guys. Uh, I, I think that's exactly what's going to happen. Jack? Uh, you ever seen The League? Yeah. Episode one, Paul Shear, who's Andre, the, the dentist. Um <laughs> he gets the first overall pick and he says, Tim Brady, motherfuckers. Uh, (laughs) So I, I got to go with Tim Brady. I think uh, that guy doesn't lose. So Jack's going with the bucks arms going with the Rams. 
I'm also going with the Rams, and I think the Rams win this game, not only covering the three. How do you beat Tom Brady? You beat Tom Brady by rushing the quarterback. Aaron Donald, Von Miller, Leonard Floyd. This is one of the best defensive lines in football. This is one of the best defenses in football. They match up well offensively. Um, obviously, the uh, Shaq Barrett, Vita Vea, the Buccaneers have good defensive linemen, but I don't think they get to Stafford as much as the Rams D-line is going to get to Tom Brady. Also, Tristan Wirfs. Yes, is He's amazing. probably going to be out. Also, I think their center is also Jensen. injured. Ryan Jensen. Yeah. Ryan Jensen's going to be I know injured that as well. Name. So I, I just think this is going to be this is this game is going to be one in the trenches, even though you have Tom Brady and Matt Dude. Stafford. And I think the Rams win that battle. And I think Stafford's playing as good as he has. I'm going with the Rams to win outright and cover the three. Did did you see how much pressure they were getting on Brady last week once Werfs was out? Yes. I mean, they, uh, coming off the edge, it was a big drop off. And they were it's trying scary. to put Werfs back in the game and he's yeah, playing on one foot. He's like, he I couldn't walk. He, he couldn't walk. walk. And that's that's how desperate they were. Uh, yeah. And now you got to go up against scary. Aaron Donald and Von yep. Miller and Leonard Floyd. They're screwed. I don't well, know. They're going to come at them in different. They're going to come at them in different ways. It's going to it's, it's going to be a problem. It's going to be a problem. It's going to be a problem. All right. But Jack, you're still going with the Bucks. Yeah. Yeah. Tim Brady. Yeah, Tim Brady. All right. Bills are taking on the Chiefs. This is probably the best game on I can't wait. TV yeah. ever. This could be the Super Bowl. The Chiefs are currently one and a half point favorites, two point favorites. I've seen it as high as two and a half. Chiefs are at home in Arrowhead, and you got Patrick Mahomes against Josh Allen. Aram, Chiefs or Bills? Can I, I let me go find a coin to flip? Yeah, um, literally. I, I I have no idea, man. I I I know that. There's going to be a lot of points scored. Uh, both teams are very comfortable in the cold, so I don't really think that's going to be a factor. Uh, the Chiefs' defense is a little suspect, but the Bills' run game is also suspect. The Chiefs' run game is also – it's just – it's it's a lot. These are two almost carbon copies of each other, uh, and I think it's really just going to come down to whoever executes as cliche as that is. I'm going to go with the more veteran team. At that point, if we have carbon copies of each other, and I'm going to go with the Chiefs. Jack? So something super interesting. Josh Allen went to the University of Wyoming. Uh, Ball State played at Wyoming week three. This Somehow year. tied this tied this to Ball this State. This is why you fade Jack, because he just he puts together like metaphors. He puts together yeah. similes. No, no, no. Some I, crazy tie-in. I found, no, I found something fascinating. This has nothing to do with my pick, but I found something okay, really okay. fascinating about Josh Allen's tenure at Wyoming. This okay. is one of my sideline hits from that uh, from that game. Uh, let me pull it up real quick. There we go. So this is like a fascinating concept to me. I've always kind of wanted to like quantify what a college superstar does for you. Um, and there's this firm called Joyce Julius and Associates out of Ann Arbor, Michigan. They conducted a study that determined from August 1st through December 31st of 2017, so the fall of Josh Allen's draft year at Wyoming, the media coverage that the Wyoming football program got with Josh Allen under center accrued an estimated exposure value north of $46 million. Wow. So that valuation is based on how much each type of exposure would cost in the open market. So of that $46 million, $15 million came from the value of nationally televised games. $23 million of the 46 came from internet impressions. Wyoming football got 1.2 billion internet impressions that fall because of Josh Allen at Wyoming. Dude, I'll tell you what. I watched a Wyoming football game that year. 
Yeah. What, when on earth would I watch my Wyoming football game? Right. So, I, I mean, that, yeah. but did, wow. how much did Pat Mahomes make two and 10 Texas tech his junior season? Yeah. When Trilly. he threw the ball 80 times against Baker Mayfield. Like I have no idea. <laughs> One of the greatest college football games ever. But yeah. I mean, that is like, that, is that really number cool. is crazy. 1.2 billion wow. impressions on Wyoming football that fall. Uh, having said that, these are the two most fun athletes to watch in the NFL right now. Like may you could make the argument two of the top five in all the sports right now. Like Josh Allen is this stupid video game character that you made way too big and way too thick. And he's just sick. Like he's seven foot, 300 pounds with 99 speed. That's the video and game. 99 character. arm strength. Yeah. yeah. Like it's just ridiculous what he does. And then Mahomes is Mahomes. We don't have to go into that. Um, I just think Kansas city has this thing right now. Like they got through all their shit in the early goings of the season and Buffalo has looked suspect sometimes. Uh, and just give me Kansas city. Cause like they've been here before. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I'm also going with Kansas city Buffalo beat um, Kansas city in Arrowhead at the beginning of the season. I really don't think he does it again. And there's a list of quarterbacks who have beat Mahomes twice at Arrowhead in the same season. The list is kind of long. <laughs> it's zero. Um, four letters. No, it's not even four letters. It's just... Z-E-R-O. just silence. It's silence. That's how many. I... I don't think – give me Andy Reid is the better coach. Give me – I think is the better quarterback in Patrick Mahomes. The Bills' defense is better. I'm not going to – that's that's just a fact. But the Chiefs' defense has been playing better. I think the Chiefs are playing at the best point of their season right now. This is it. So I would go with the Kansas City Chiefs. But if the Bills won, I wouldn't be surprised. I think these are two of the best teams really in the NFL, and I think this is basically the Super Bowl. That's the podcast, people. We just did what an hour and a half of straight heat. Yeah, we just did like unders, just football picks. We just yelling about Padres trades, yelling about um, the the you know Luis Capisano, Correa versus Seager. Was we had a good debate there? You know, I think I think uh, on a statistic basis, it's hard to argue. I think it's hard to argue. Um, The only thing I would say about the power, Corey Seager has, you know, he's had to play in Dodger Stadium. Um, his whole career where, it's, where it is harder to hit. Keep going, man. Um, there's also some got? good pitchers in the NL. You've been West. thinking about this for the last hour. No, no, I was just I was just coming to a conclusion. Um, <laughs> I think statistically, you would say Correa, and I think it's hard to have an argument where you don't really have the stats to back you up. Whether you'd say Corey Seager, but but you don't play the game I'm on still, an Excel sheet. You watch. The I don't game. play the game on the Excel sheet. I still would take Corey Seager for the next <laughs> ten years, and I'm okay with saying that. I'm okay with saying that, but I'm also, that was a fun podcast. That's all yeah. I yeah. Also, Peter, it's not one of those things where it's going to be like, ha, look, you were wrong. Corey mm-hmm. Seager only has a six war and Correa has 6.4. Like, yeah. They're both. It, really it's like, it's not one test. of those where it's going to be like blowing up the other way. Like there's, there's, there's no wrong answer. I really just think it's whoever each of them stays healthy. Cause I think both of them are, phenomenal. that's the biggest, both question. of them are going to be really good. Like if, if Corey Seager, has 150 games next year and Carlos Gray gets hurt, then I look like a genius, but they could go easily just go the other way. But I just want both of them to play at least 150 games and we just see. We've already taken up too much of people's times. Have a good weekend, everybody. Thank you, everybody. Bye.
Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success.